This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Can COVID help us restore the true meaning of the holiday season? For many people, the weeks from the end of November to the end of December are a blur of activity. The COVID virus has seriously affected and sometimes eliminated many familiar customs. Today, the Return to Order moment is offering three reflections on the holiday, all by Mr. John Horvat. He considers Thanksgiving, Advent, and Christmas in the light of the virus. So first, Mr. John Horvat offers five powerful reasons to appreciate God this Thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving, the COVID crisis threatens and discourages all the material trappings that usually characterize this secularized holiday. Big family get-togethers, sporting events, and Black Friday shopping. We are left with a more subdued atmosphere that is conductive to thinking about higher things. There is much to consider. It seems that so much that could have gone wrong this year has gone wrong. The virus, the civil unrest, the economy, the elections. All these things brought anxiety and few signs of hope. To the superficial mind, there would seem to be few reasons for gratitude in this crazy 2020, so different from years past. However, we can be thankful for much more than we realize. If I were to give this Thanksgiving a special name, I would call it the Thanksgiving for those things we take for granted. That is the beauty of hard times. We can reflect and rejoice over little. Each thing we take for granted now acquires an added importance and naturally increases our gratitude. We can thank God for the things usually forgotten but that are now treasured. We can thank Him for those things for which almost nobody thanks Him, as we see them differently now. Thus, there are five things we take for granted that I thank God for this Thanksgiving. 1. Thanking God for His Providence I thank God for His loving providence toward me during this year of crisis. I survived the economic troubles without huge inconveniences. There were uncertainties that I had to confront, and He was there to help me. The lockdown deprived me of many little things, and He let me see how little they were. Usually I don't think much about these material goods, since God has always provided for me. However, this year I see the disasters that could have happened. I saw problems that happened to others, but not to me. I have great cause to be thankful, even for those goods and opportunities that I did not receive. God gave me what I needed, and that alone is enough for gratitude. 2. Thanking God for Health I thank God for preserving me in health in this coronavirus crisis. Like so many others, I usually take my health for granted. This year, I was forced to think about the very real possibility of death, my own. I saw how precarious life is, which made me more appreciative of my life and that of others. This meditation on death is a grace from God for which we should give thanks. In thinking about death, we ponder life from a truer perspective. We reflect on our sinful lives. These opportunities provide us with time to improve our lives. When confronted by the proximity of death, we can think of ways to know, love, and serve God better.
In contemplating death, the Church encourages us to think of our final end and act accordingly. This year it became clearer to me how much we are in God's hands. He gives us life and health. We are completely helpless in the face of death and must prepare ourselves, therefore, for that terrible and inevitable hour. 3. Thanking God for Spiritual Goods I thank God for the spiritual goods of this tumultuous year. We take for granted church attendance, holy mass, the sacraments, and parish life. The lockdowns brutally and abruptly deprived us of them all this year. Indeed, some American parishes still face draconian restrictions. This year we experienced the spiritual desolation of all churches shutting down. Easter was at home. Some bishops even imposed more severe restrictions than the civil authorities did, which brought great affliction. People had no sacraments for months on end, even when dying. Thus, those of us who now have the sacraments and liturgy can especially thank God for these great gifts. Having experienced their loss, we now appreciate them more. 4. Thanking God for Loved Ones I thank God for giving us family, work colleagues, and loved ones in whom we can confide in these trying and antisocial times. We take for granted our contacts with those around us. We are social beings and naturally rejoice in interacting with others. So many opportunities to meet with others were cruelly curtailed. So much civil unrest separated us from each other because cities and streets were unsafe. This year, our ability to interact was severely hampered by social distancing, masking, and lockdowns that treated every single good American as a hazardous health threat to the community. Thus, many suffered from loneliness and isolation. It is a sad time when we are deprived of smiles, facial expressions, and hugs of affection. Thus, we must thank God for those close to us who console and protect us in these times. They are the few but precious people who help us overcome the trials of the present-day crisis and keep engaging in the unceasing culture war. How much easier it is now to appreciate their direction, affection, and support. 5. Thanking God for Trials and Crosses I thank God for the trials and crosses He sent me that make this Thanksgiving different from others. I know these sufferings were for my good and unite me more to God and the Blessed Mother. This suffering has led me to think about the more important things in life. It has forced me to rearrange my priorities. It helps me to think more about church and nation and less about myself. Hopefully this crisis might also help everyone call on God more and pray for a nation that has grievously sinned. We have a long way to go before we return to order, but the prodigal's conversion is the sure path home. There will be none of the usual holiday din this Thanksgiving to attract our attention away from heaven. Let us thank God for all the things we take for granted. We owe Him everything. In the seeming dead-end situation afflicting both Church and America, let us confide unrestrictedly in Almighty God 
asking for his urgent help. He will hear our prayers and aid us in the great fight for our future. Although the two main holidays of the season mix secular and sacred elements, the time between them, Advent, belongs wholly to the Church. Mr. Horvat shared his hopes and prayers for the season in During This Advent May Grace Reign on a Sinful World. Definition Advent From the Latin Advenio To Come To Quote Send down the dew, ye heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain the just one. Let the earth be opened and bud forth the Redeemer. Unquote. These words of the Advent hymn, Rorate Celi, echo the longings of the fathers of old for the coming of a Redeemer who would blot out our iniquities and save us. Words like these can also awaken an appetite for wondrous, divine things far superior to earthly considerations. No fleeting delight the world can offer compares with the deep and spiritual joy. Such thoughts touch us because God gave us a natural capacity to know Him and supernatural reality. Our souls sigh for Him and the superior reflections that will satisfy our yearnings. In vain do we seek beauty, happiness, and well-being without touching on this higher realm of transcendentals found in the supernatural order. Every being strives to arrive at its fullest expression. For example, a plant needs to develop according to its proper dimensions, color, and characteristics. From seed to sapling and on to maturity, a tree seeks the full expression of its being. This happens to us as well. We naturally tend to develop according to our abilities, appetites, and yearnings. When, through our malice, we do not tend to these good and heavenly things proper to our nature, we reach for their contrary. We become attracted to horrendous and vile things that favor our most deep-rooted and unbridled passions. So many today have descended this dark path. The sense of true spiritual joy seems to have abandoned the world, and an earthly and macabre feast absorbs ever greater numbers of people. We can say that this dark spectacle prepares humanity for the adoration of the devil. However, from the depth of our decadence and abandonment, we can sense the same yearnings as the fathers of old. They longed for the coming of the Savior. Thus, hymns like the Rorate Celi can speak to our souls amid the dark anxiety. This Advent, we must ardently ask Our Lady for graces that will rain down like the dew in the night to irrigate and make fecund this hymn's sublime scriptural words that call us back to God. We need graces that will touch those devastated by our modern world the graces of restoration. This heavenly dew would give humanity what it now rejects. We hope that it will trigger a process whereby we might disconnect from the macabre self-centered world of frenetic intemperance and embrace that most profound and eternal order of things that shines like the star of Bethlehem. We will then feel the relief and joy of abandoning this evil world and fulfilling our soul's noblest yearnings. The hymn ends with the assurance that, quote, I will save thee, 
Be not afraid, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Redeemer. Unquote. Thus, this Advent, we must ask with an insistent ardor that the gates of heaven open and once again let shine the Lumen Christi, the light of Christ upon the earth, initiating the triumph and reign of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Many people are experiencing a very difficult Christmas this year. Many annual festivities will not take place. Friends and relatives who grace our tables every year will be absent. These burdens fall especially hard on children. They have sacrificed time with friends, activities that they love, and vacations to a virus that they do not understand, one that does not appear to infect them. Mr. Horvat offers hope in this situation. So we present his article, How the Virus Killed Santa Claus, But Not Christmas. Christmas is a special time for children who are attracted by the sublime and themes of wonder and grace. As at the time of his birth, the divine infant radiates innocence and joy in a sinful world. Children especially sense these special graces and share in the Christmas joy. Even the commercialization of Christmas cannot overcome the supernatural atmosphere that emanates from the crib at Bethlehem. Part of the enchantment of Christmas is the Christmas trees, carols, and gifts. In America, children flocked to the secularized version of St. Nicholas, known as Santa Claus. However, this year the coronavirus crisis is imposing restrictions even upon Santa Claus. Thus, Santa will not be coming to many towns. In the places he will visit, he will be sanitized and made COVID-resistant with face masks and plexiglass. Malls and shopping centers all recognize the great attraction of Santa Claus and seem willing to do anything to draw children and shoppers. Last year, more than 10 million U.S. households visited Santa. Retail stores are looking to him again to lift this year's sagging sales. Because of the coronavirus, mall owners and department stores are announcing new norms for Santa visits. This year, commercialized Santa will be sanitized and social distanced. He will be stripped of everything warm and comforting and turned into a cold, muffled old man. He will be physically separated from the children, the least likely age group to get or transmit the virus. Thus, children will not be allowed to sit in his lap and tell him what they want for Christmas. Instead, they must shout their request from six feet away, and some stores will even insist upon a plexiglass divider in between. Santa's flowing white beard will be bound by a face mask to match that of the exuberant child. In some cases, stores will insist that Santa also wear a plastic face shield. Other safety measures include asking parents to make online reservations to avoid lines. Workers will constantly be wiping down surfaces and replenishing hand sanitizer. Some stores will put decorations as obstacles in front of Santa's chair to block over-exuberant children from rushing into his arms. Not all shoppers will take the risk of an in-person Santa visit. Cherry Hill Programs, which arranges Santas for over 700 malls, accommodates those who insist upon greater distancing, offering Zoom calls with Santa at his North Pole facility. Children can chat with Santa from home, from one screen to another, over the Internet. 
Finally, some stores have given up on having Santa at all due to the liabilities and risks. At its flagship location in New York City, Macy's is canceling Santa Claus because it could not guarantee a safe environment for everyone. Normally, some 250,000 visit Santa every year at the 42nd Street location. With all these measures, much of the wind is removed from the commercialized Santa's sales. Of course, Santa Claus is not needed to celebrate Christmas. The warmth, innocence, and sublimity of Christmas never came from secularized Santa, but from the Christ child, his blessed mother, and St. Joseph. The spirit of Christmas is not found in the mad quest to obtain gifts and sensible thrills and delights. Christmas is accessible to all. Like the shepherds and the magi, everyone can go to the manger and adore the infant Jesus, the Prince of Peace. The neo-pagan retailers who wage war on Christmas every year have never succeeded in stifling the peace of this most august feast. Communists and persecutors of the church have tried to erase his memory only to be frustrated in the end. No virus will ever take this joy away. At Bethlehem, our Lord Jesus Christ showed how foolish it is to make this world's delights the purpose of life. The birth of Christ Jesus in such poor conditions demonstrated that all obstacles can be overcome. True peace and glory are found when all eyes are turned to God, where all men of good will find true peace and joy. This concludes, Can COVID Help Us Restore the True Meaning of the Holiday Season? At this time, the Return to Order moment would like to wish all of our listeners a blessed Advent. Next week, we will be presenting a special Christmas gift for all of you. That podcast will go live at midnight on December 23rd. We would like to recommend that new listeners listen to last year's The Christmas of a Shawan, a very special story of a soldier's redemption during the French Revolution. Listeners can gain access to all of our previous episodes by subscribing to the Return to Order moment. Thank you so much for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. In that way, you can help Return to Order be more effective. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2020 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. TFP.